Thank you for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues, Sarah Beatty and Jordan Sherman. And you may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. And when you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not readily recognize, creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD brand. So over the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome to the Move the Stairs, episode 58. 58, you guys. We are recording on Thursday, January 27th, 2022. And we are so happy that you're joining us for today's exciting conversation. We are so happy, so excited to be joined by Megan Boyenton, a business reporter, new reporter for the Denver Post, to talk about how you can position your brand in 2022 from a business perspective and get noticed by industry reporters. That's right, Sarah. You know, many businesses use this time of year to implement new strategies as they're looking to build out their loyal customer base. And we are so excited to ask Megan about her experiences when it comes to people she has interviewed in the business world and how they look to the media to help them do that. And speaking of which, we are constantly talking about how important relationships, and I want to emphasize here, real, true relationships with members of the media with members of the media are when it comes to brand building and we're excited to talk to Megan about how she picks and chooses which sources to include in her stories and then lastly sales are great right really <laughs> being great. published in an article <laughs> is great but does any of that really matter if your brand isn't around in five years? So I'm really excited to be um, picking Megan's brain about how media can play a role in the longevity of your brand and help you build some resilience into the future for long-term success. So I'm going to bring Megan into the studio. Mm -hmm. Megan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you all so much for having me. I'm excited about our conversation. Well, I'm excited. So we're in Denver and I'm looking out the window and it is snowing like crazy right now. So <laughs> it'll be a, a fresh and fluffy welcome to Denver when you <laughs> make that transcontinental move. We're, we're so thrilled that you're joining us today. Oh yeah, I can't wait. You know, Megan, the first part of brand protection PR is creating customer loyalty. And we know that one of the biggest challenges for a CBD company is building that loyalty over time when there are so many companies and products to choose from. So I want to ask you, because there's, you know, there's something to be said about paying for advertising when someone like you or your colleagues writes a positive article about business. Have you gotten feedback from your readers about how they perceive a brand or a business that they may not have heard of before after reading an article as opposed to, you know, just buying advertising and putting your name out there? 
Right. So there's something that we say in the journalism world pretty frequently, and that's don't read the comments of the articles that you write, because that sort of feedback usually isn't very helpful across the board. Um, but generally, I've found that readers won't reach directly out to reporters via email or on social media unless they either really loved or really hated the article or its subject matter. Um, that's not to say that readers don't appreciate the coverage of a brand or a business, though. They might file it away themselves, but I've covered several beats over my career and definitely received a few emails where readers were excited to learn something new or hear a different perspective. However, they just typically don't share their reactions with me. That's interesting because, you know, <laughs> the comment section is, oh Ooh boy, even from somebody who's... <laughs> no longer working in the journalistic field. Sometimes uh, you step you in. You need a shovel. Get there. No kidding. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> um, Megan, as covering the business beat in Denver, you know CBD and cannabis here um, is pretty big in Colorado, but recent data has shown us that not very many CBD customers are loyal to any one brand or any one product. So do you think there's a reason behind this? And do you think that educating um, a consumer base through COAs or sourcing um, of their products, production methods, um, whatever the, the, the case may be, may help kind of curb that stigma of an industry that's still considered the Wild West? Right. And no, that's a great question. I think if you want the simple answer, brand loyalty is just rarer in this day and age, right? Because we have so many options for so many products that we're tempted to try all of them until we find ones that really work for us. I will say personally, I gravitate towards brands that are highly rated by other uh, other customers and I'm big into reading reviews and I think other consumers like to do their own research on products too. Um, but when it comes to CBD specifically, I think there's a portion of the population that still isn't sure what to make of it, what with cannabis being demonized in previous decades. They might be worried that they'll fill a drug test or aren't aware of the benefits. Um, for instance, I was raised in Louisiana, and there's more people there that know about CBD than you would expect, but there's still a lot of people who are unaware as to what exactly it is. So what makes the most sense to me is breaking down CBD in layman's terms, especially if you're trying to hit these different demographics. Um, more experienced consumers might be looking for a certificate of analysis, but a lot of potential customers first need to understand what a COA even is. So education on the basics really seems key to me, and then you can dive into the nitty gritty details. Mm, that is really good advice. I hope I hope uh, CBD business owners are taking notes. Um, you tweeted when you made the announcement that you were moving to Denver, that you are looking forward to digging into Colorado's cannabis or marijuana industry and other business sectors. And we should make it clear, you're a business reporter. And that right there is kind of an interesting thing because um, it's clear that can of the cannabis business is a business in Colorado, and that you're interested in looking at other business sectors as well. So I'd be interested to know what is it about the cannabis industry that interests you and how can the listeners of this podcast um, help you in covering that sector? Absolutely. Well, you know, a, a critical part of being a journalist is curiosity, right? And it especially comes naturally for topics that are considered taboo. Um, and the cannabis space has definitely been rife with controversy for decades, going back to marijuana prohibition and Nixon's war on drugs. So where there's controversy, there's stories that need to be told. And it's my duty as a reporter to do just that. Um, 
like you guys have said, I'm a business reporter at The Post now, but not too long ago, I was actually covering the social justice beat for Arizona PBS. And I, I tend to look for that angle in all of my stories now. Um, so I think your listeners could help me by simply letting me know what they're hearing on the ground. You know, what does diversity look like in the CBD sector? How are you trying to get more women into the space? And, and what are the biggest issues that you're coming across? These are the questions that pop into my head as a reporter. Boy, that is great advice. And I, yeah. my gosh, I hope people are taking notes. And, you know, we, we, I don't know if we mentioned this, but just to give you some background, we're all former journalists at MNC. And um, that experience of our journalism background helps us help our clients um, get ready to take advantage of every media opportunity um, that comes their way by positioning them as industry leaders and experts who can give a great interview. And we call that insider media relations. So it's really fascinating to hear from you how all of this kind of fits together, don't you think, Diane? Absolutely. You know, it's it's really the second rung of the three rungs of brand protection PR is insider media relations and really understanding what reporters want and having somebody like Megan is so it, it's it's wonderful to have you here. So I want to know what changes have you seen in print reporting that you want to make our audience aware of? Because there seems to be changes every day. Oh, I mean, you're completely right about that. I, and I like to look at journalism as this amorphous field because it's constantly evolving to remain as relevant as possible for readers. You know, I, I started my career during a time when Internet is king, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, and just like we discussed with CBD brands, there are lots of news outlets that readers can choose from now. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing, because with this constant flow of information, there's also going to be a lot of misinformation and sometimes even propaganda. Um, the younger generations are taught now how to spot a fake news outlet or how to research a piece of news that's trending to determine if it's real. But a lot of older folks aren't necessarily used to doing that and take a lot of what they see on, say, Facebook at face value. I think that's why it's so important to keep local and regional news like the Post in business. We've seen a lot of local newspapers disappearing over the past decade. And there are so many advantages to having reporters in the ground in your community to cover the day-to-day -day happenings. Your local newspaper has taken the time to build trust in these communities, and that's invaluable these days. No kidding. Um, it's, <clears throat> I mean, we're fortunate enough to live in, in cities that do have, um, you know, pretty sizable newspapers. We have the Gazette here in Colorado Springs, obviously the Post in Denver, in addition to a number of other publications up there too. Um, so I, I, boy, I, I totally agree. Um, it's so important to have that ear to the ground. And speaking of which, uh, we saw, you know, a, a lot of coverage 10 years ago. I remember working in the newsroom um, on election night and <laughs> Sarah and Diane are probably having uh, flashback nightmares on um, humorous <laughs> election night um, in the newsroom. Uh, as a as a weather guy, we didn't necessarily have to dive into it um, um, too, too much here. <laughs> but um, this November, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to double check. It marks the 10 year anniversary of voters approving Amendment 64 here in Colorado, which, um, as our listeners may or may not know, effectively legalized recreational uh, marijuana usage in Colorado for those who are 21 years and older. Um, but for a state that is growing, especially along the front range, and that's the, you know, from Fort Collins all the way down to Colorado Springs, we are seeing a massive influx of people um, who are relocating from other parts of the country. 
So what challenges do you face when you're writing about hemp or marijuana or CBD from a business perspective in trying to communicate what's happening um, from that perspective to these people who, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, growing up in New Orleans, may not be necessarily familiar with this um, with, with this type of business? Right. Well, in some ways, it's been just like any other beat that I have to become an expert on a very broad topic that other people spend their entire lives studying. Um, but the best part is that I can call those people up who are brilliant at what they do and learn directly from them as a journalist. Um, a specific challenge that I'm overcoming right now is learning the ins and outs of Colorado's history with cannabis. Because prior to this role, I was a Hill reporter at Bloomberg government for two years. So essentially, I chased after lawmakers to ask them questions about agriculture and trade policy. Uh, there, I got to dive into the federal fight over marijuana and THC levels in hemp, but I was looking at those issues from a national perspective. So now that I'm reporting for the Denver Post, this information is definitely good to know, but your state was also one of the first frontiers for legalization. So a lot has happened since Amendment 64, and that's where I'm playing catch up right now. Yeah, that's, um, and it's, you always do that when you move into a new market, you've always got to, boy, learn a whole bunch of stuff quickly. You mentioned something a minute ago um, that really caught my attention, that that students now are taught to um, pick out propaganda or pick out whether a site or a, a, a news outlet, news outlet might be, um, you know, legitimate or not. And I, that really factors into this question, at least in my mind. Um, what are your considerations when deciding what stories to cover and who to interview for those stories. And I wonder if that kind of, um, you know, what is it like sniff test of, is this propaganda or is this a legit source for me factors into that? Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm lucky that I get a lot of creativity to pursue the stories that I find interesting. Um, the philosophy is sort of, if, if I don't want to write it, would most people want to read it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are two types of stories that I'm usually balancing for people who aren't familiar with the journalism world. Uh, there are dailies, which, as one of my old editors put it, you know, you use to feed the beast. That's the breaking news. That's the quick hits that readers need to know right then. So examples would be like this prominent local business is shutting down or this important government data came out. Uh, then there are enterprise stories, which are the deep dives into subject matter. And those are my favorite because you can really take your time to report it out and put your heart into it. For instance, I'm, I'm working on one right now looking at the trend of boutique hotels in Colorado and how they've managed to survive the pandemic. And spoiler alert, they're actually thriving, which is great. But when I'm deciding who to interview, it's usually going to be experts. And that's actually a pretty broad term. I might need an academic angle, so it could be a professor, or I need to talk to business owners or corporations themselves to get their perspective. I could want to comment from the industry, so I talk to trade associations, or I'll reach out to advocates and unions to get their side of the, an issue. But every story needs something different, so it really runs the gamut. Well, I think you've named off such a wonderful list there that gives um, gives people who are learning about this for the first time some perspective on all of the different elements that are important in a really good story. And just real briefly, I want to um, remind people, we do Move the Stairs every couple of weeks. And so I would love for everyone to check back in because we are adding fabulous guests like Megan Boynton all the time. So in another two weeks, 
you'll get another fabulous episode of Move the Stairs. But Diane, move us along to that third component of what we call brand protection, which is building a resilient CBD brand. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about this. But if you don't mind, real quick, I want to ask Megan one quick question. Mm -hmm. How do you decide what business owner to call Mm -hmm. when you're deciding that you need that business angle? What is it so that I'm the business owner you call versus my competitor? So it it can really depend on what the story is going to be about, right? And and oftentimes if... um, I don't have a, a trusted source on hand, then I'm going to turn to the internet and really just start uh, Googling away at seeing which business might be the best fit for this story. Um, oftentimes, you know, I, I like to make sure, especially as we're diversifying our, our sources, and that's more and more important in this day and age, I'll try and look for, you know, a, a woman business owner or a person of color, just to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm getting lots of different perspectives, you know, from different backgrounds. Um, but also it could just be, you know, who, who is the best fit for this story? You know, is, is it somebody who's been in the business for decades and, you know, has, has seen their own business evolve? Is it somebody who, you know, has a lot of professional resources and connections and, you know, is, you know, highly ranked by their trade association or is an outspoken advocate for their issue? Um, so it, it really depends, but um, just know that investing in a great website is always key. That's a great thing. And, and what about, should people be reaching out to you to say, here's a, here's an idea, or I just saw this story, like for instance, the COVID CBD story that just happened, um, because you're, you're looking to localize. Is that, is that important? Should they tweet you? Should they comment? I mean, does top of mind help? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's right. You guys are PR professionals and former journalists. So you know that getting into my inbox and making sure that when I'm waking up in the morning with my coffee, that (laughs) that's the first thing that I see. It's key because sometimes when you come to me with a story idea and, you know, maybe it's a slow day, I'll be like, oh, okay, you know, that's really interesting. Let me dive into that a bit more and get you on the phone. So definitely reaching out to me on Twitter or uh, hitting up my email is is perfect. Can I, I want to jump in with just a really quick clarification. Can you talk about the difference between a story idea and a product pitch? Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, that's a good one. (laughs) Oh, I like how she says. I'm having flashbacks to when Tina joined us a few months ago. (laughs) That's so a product pitch is very different from, a story idea. Because I, for instance, yesterday I got an email about um, some sort of, it was like a, a, I think they called it a garlic rocket. And so it was just, you know, you're sending me a photo of this product and you're telling me, you know, why I need it in my kitchen. Um, That's great, but that's a product pitch. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not a ton that I can do with that. A a story idea is somebody reaching out to me and, and sending me, you know, like, hey, we're noticing that, you know, um, there's this trend in business and, and I happen to know a professional who would be perfect for you to talk to about it because they've been spent years specializing in this particular aspect of business. Um, that's more of a story idea because if I can dig into it and I can talk to your professional, but I can also research on a broader trend and, and talk to other professionals that can either, you know, refute or uh, concur with whatever your professional is saying. Um, that's something I can work with a lot better than a, than a product pitch. 
And we hear that word over and over again, trend. I mean, I think that's something that all CBD business owners should keep in mind. If you're seeing a trend, that's a great opportunity to reach out to somebody like Megan um, and, and have a really good chance of getting a story. So that'd be great. And that is part of the third part of this, which is building a resilient CBD brand. Because CBD business owners are constantly on the lookout for ways to strengthen their business and weather the threats to their reputation and bottom line. And we know over the past several years, you've had so many threats to the business. So we help clients find that opportunity in every challenge and polish their reputations and prepare them for the unexpected. And that's really part of building that resilient CBD brand. So when you're vetting, vetting sources for a story, how much time do you spend researching a brand's reputation and what are you looking for? So this is perfect because I think it kind of reiterates like one of the points that I was trying to make earlier, which is, you know, oftentimes I'm on a time crunch to find sources in a matter of a couple of hours, particularly if it's breaking news. So say I'm doing a quick daily story involving a CBD business. If I don't already have a trusted source, then my colleagues might have someone they've worked with in the past who would be a good fit. But if that's not the case, I'll take to Google and I'll just start researching Colorado CBD businesses and I'll check out their website, see if it looks legitimate and start calling and emailing. You know, I, I usually reach out to a handful of companies at a time. And from there, it, it really comes down to speed on the company's part. Right. Who reaches out to me first after that? You know, who gives me the best interview? Um, but typically I'd say, you know, when it comes to breaking news, I'm spending five minutes tops researching the reputation in those situations because that's precious time in the journalism world. Boy, that is a really good point. We talk about that all the time. I'm interested to know how many times have you opted to use a different source um, because a source, a person or a company that you were looking at just had too many red flags or you weren't able to find enough information? Like, what are those elements that make you go, mm, I'm going to move on? Because I'm, I'm assuming you're making that decision in about 12 seconds. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think it's the not having enough information about a source. That's the more common situation um, out of those two. Is for journalists, your website and social media is often all that we have to go off of. And there have been plenty of stories in which I've wanted the perspective of a certain business or trade group, but there wasn't a clear way to even reach out to them. And so what makes my job easiest is when they make it clear that press can reach out to them at this email, or if they have a marketing or communications director listed under their staff, even if you're posting the CEO or president's email or phone number, that's helpful. Because I know a lot of my interview requests have just been buried in an office voicemail, or they're still sitting in the DMs of a company's Twitter that nobody's checked in two years. So I can definitely see the benefits of a business investing in a strong internet presence. That is an awesome, awesome, awesome answer. Because we talk about how important it is to build that digital footprint. So there you have it. If you're going back and reading some of our old blogs or listening to podcasts and you hear us reference digital footprint, that is exactly that's the value what we're of it right about. there. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so we've got one last question for you, Megan, before we let you run. And we have talked um, earlier in the podcast about uh, what the relationship looks like between a source and a reporter such as yourself. So from your perspective, what does that strong working relationship look like? And do you think that this relationship between a source and yourself as a reporter um, can help bolster a brand's reputation within their community? Yeah. Well, you know, it's 
it's all about trust and honesty at the end of the day, right? Because look, I've had both Democrat and Republican sources on the Hill. I've worked with corporations, unions, trade groups, universities, international aid organizations, and even just regular people on the street. Um, it's all the same. I trust that you're good at what you do. And that mutual respect goes a long way. At the end of the day, my job is to relay information to the public and provide a balanced story for my readers. Um, my best pieces often come from sources either being candid with me or sharing their personal experiences. Uh, for instance, in reporting out that story on boutique hotels, I chatted with one manager who opened up about how it was such a painful experience to look his 60 employees in the eyes individually when COVID hit and either furlough or fire them. And I was like, wow, that's powerful. You know, I, I appreciate that he felt that he could talk about that with me. So just chatting human to human can lead to these genuine moments that I feel really lucky to write about and share with my readers at the end of the day. I love that. I mean, and and we love chatting with you human to human because we get so much <laughs> out of this. And we I was going to say, Denver Post has got a good one here. Exactly. Yeah. We can't wait to have you in Denver. That'd be fantastic. So thank you so much, Megan, for Coming to join us today, Megan Boynton is the business reporter for the Denver Post, and uh, she's just starting. So, hey, what a great time to start building that relationship with her and helping this lady out. So we want to thank you so much for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast. Thank Megan, you. how can people uh, reach out to you? Oh, yeah. So please reach out to me on Twitter at Megan Ululani. So that's M-E-G-A-N-U-L-U-L-A-N-I. Or you can uh, reach out to me via email at M-B-O-Y-A-N-T-O-N at DenverPost.com. Well, oh, that okay. is fabulous. And what a beautiful Hawaiian middle name, by the way. <laughs> exactly. That's so much. Yeah. My <clears throat> mom's been here too. Well, that's <laughs> right. Moms are always right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you all. Have a great week. Thanks. You too. Well, that oh was my a great conversation, gosh. wasn't it? About yeah. how protection works in real life. Holy moly. I loved how she talked about when she did about building customer loyalty, that education comes first and, you know, um, pitching those details, you know, it's the overall education we need to think of. And remember, not everybody knows what we know about CBD. So that's a great opportunity um, to, to really educate your customer because that, that really builds that customer loyalty. Yeah. Especially as you're looking at some of those first time customers, um, when Megan was talking about uh, the insider media relations, you know, that's what we call the relationships that um, your brand may have with um, industry reporters or just your local reporters. She talked about how she is looking for experts when she wants to have somebody um, published as a source in her articles. And we talk so much about how um, being a, a vocal um, leader in your industry can position you as a thought leader and a la an expert. So she may be looking out, uh, looking to you um, for a source uh, to be a source in her upcoming article. So I, I thought that was fascinating to hear. Sarah, what did you uh, learn? Well, you know, that third piece that we talk about is, is the building the resilient CBD brand. And what really struck out to me and this comes no surprise to you guys, because this is my like, oh, you know, <laughs> mantra all the time. The relationships that you build must 
be authentic. Um, you know, for you to truly develop a relationship with a reporter, um, it needs to be an actual collegial, respectful, mutual relationship where you are um, helping them out, not pitching your products constantly, um, that you are respectfully, um, you know, building that thing where maybe it doesn't even mention your company or your product or whatever. Maybe you're just like, oh, she said she's looking for the best possible widget. I know this guy in widgets and she needs to talk to widget man. So I, you know, I just think that the more we internalize that reporters are, they're, you know, they're people, right? These relationships are mutual. That really stuck out to me when it comes to building a resilient CBD brand. And as always, I love those keywords, trends and time sensitive. The first time <laughs> yes. gets back, gets that interview. So remember, if a reporter calls you, our time frame, 15 minutes at the most. You're responding yeah. in 15 minutes. You can always figure out what the reporter wants and then get more information. And I loved how she talked about personal stories because they're really looking, they have all the facts. They're really mm -hmm. looking for the way to make their story sing. And that's your opportunity. So I, that was a great interview today. And we want to thank our special guest, Megan Boynton from the Denver Post for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast. And we want to thank you for listening. And we hope you'll join us again on our next all new episode of the Move the Stairs podcast in two weeks. So we will see you then. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase move the stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.